This is BVK for Ocean City Tourism, OCMD Streaming Audio. On March 11th, 2024, the title of the spot is STSA Leisure Summer. This is a 30-second composite stereo streaming audio mix. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off and hang 10 while hanging out, where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun, where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. sad episode of keep it why well corinne one of our producers is leaving corinne the og keep it producer who you would always hear when you guys would like tweet about <laughs> hearing someone laughing in the background that was always corinne cackling at the sky <laughs> uh yeah she's, she's been, been on the road with us she from, uh, the yes. yeah. <laughs> from the beginning before you know i found you two to join me on this this mystery machine right she said, draw sketches of people you want to be your co-host. And you actually picked Kara and I, just drawing us freehand. Well, the first sketch was of R.L. Stein. Okay, but that's he, weird. He, he turned me down. Oh, okay. <laughs> happy, to, happy to fill in. Yeah. <laughs> so we are drinking rosé. Very early in the morning. Very early. <laughs> it's dawn. <laughs> uh, anyway... We've got a great show, though. We got, we got to give Corinne a good, a good show. Yeah, we got to give her a great show. We are going to talk about, listen. The, the world. The world. Is... Tiger Woods. We're going to talk about the WGA. Mm-hmm. going to talk about 2020. But first, I was at Coachella. Yes. All weekend. But there was no video evidence of it. Oh, I'm kidding. You filled your Instagram with it. <laughs> you know what? Lewis literally before we recorded said that he got a great concept of what the Ariana concert was like via my Instagram. And now here he is shading me on this podcast. I, I don't mean to say you're not a good documentarian. You're just like Panna Baker. I respect your efforts. I'm just saying I caught a lot of the concert on your I'm Instagram. glad you scoped it out for me because I'll be there this weekend. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I have significantly less legwork to do because Ira has already done the social media blitz. Yeah, I show people what they need to do next week. And make sure you check out Lizzo because she is amazing. She's a star. You know what I do like about what I like about Weekend One is the way that it's all recorded. So like everyone can sort of experience. But mm-hmm. then I also like Weekend Two because since it's not, it's like, you know, what's happening, but you also don't. But then there's like surprises that you hear about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can't see them. But you do kind of know what's happening. So it's like, oh, Ariana is going to bring out different people that you're but you you sort of know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. I was very um jealous of people who saw Beyonce's second weekend right. last year just because I was there first weekend, but I was so overwhelmed by what was happening that I wish I could have seen it again. That's when she went pink, what was happening. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mustard's slightly more iconic, but it's fine. Yeah. The important thing about Ariana Grande is that she will remain three foot seven. She will continue to be dressed like a sassy first grader on the first day of school. With an eight pound pony. Yep. I was so glad that she stood on tables for so much of her performance <laughs> because I could not see her. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah. And let's just put this out there. The performance was fine. Really? It wasn't 
amazing. It felt like a tour stop and it didn't feel like. But that's what the thing is. That's what Coachella usually is. Like mm -hmm. there is no Coachella performer other than Beyonce who has that stage setup, who has that production value. Like she, you have to treat that as an anomaly mm -hmm. because everyone else is going to go back to like, it is kind of like they're on tour and they're going to do Coachella in the middle. Kanye turned it out a bit. He did, but like Coachella just literally doesn't even give people the, the space and the time that they gave Beyonce. Like if, mm -hmm. if Rariana came and said, I want to stage shut up like Beyonce, they'd be like, no, girl. <laughs> like <laughs> We did that last year. So I feel like we all have to like readjust mm -hmm. our standards for festival performances because it is like, you know, everyone coming on for 45 minutes to an hour doing your thing and going. Are you saying that a surprise appearance by J.C. Chazé is not the same thing as Beyonce? I mean, he looks... Sacrilege. He looked um, mature. <laughs> it, it kind of has been a few years since I've seen him, though, to Listen, be fair. Yeah. Lance Bass looked the greatest out of them, which is, you know, obviously the gay gene. But it's also mm -hmm. because he's been the most, like, in public still. Right, so right. he's had to keep it up because he's still been public. Like, you don't know what... Chris, where's Chris been? Joey Fatone hosts a game show network show. Not that I would know that kind of thing. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Chris is probably auditioning for the road rules. Uh, Do you think this now means that they can just, that they're like, fuck it, we'll do our reunion tour without Justin? I would go. Would you go without Justin? Of course I would. I, you know how I feel about I Justin. I think I would go. I think I would go. The songs do hold up well enough. Yeah. They're our Burt Bacharach, yes. I kind of, I kind JC of wish was the they best would just, vocalist. I kind of wish they would just get like a Justin sub though. Oh yeah. Ooh. Just because it would that, be funny. Not because not I think it's a good idea, but I think it would be very funny. But I think it's kind of castable. Like there are people who For sound sure. like Justin, you know. Yeah. So if on 98 Degrees. Yeah, get one, of, get one of them. Oh yeah, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> Former Chippendale or whatever he did. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that sync was great. Obviously, I was screaming during Tearing Up My Heart. Just that was, hearing that live. That was, was my very first concert, guys. In was sync. it? Yeah, my my whole family went. Me, my dad, my mom, mm. my sister. Um, I think it was at the Tacoma Dome, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they did a Jackson Five medley that was excellent. Mm. And that's mostly what I remember from that concert. How sexual was an Insync concert back in the day? Not very sexual. No, that's, this no. was yeah. the first tour too, oh, sure. because like they they were doing medleys because they didn't have enough songs like recorded <laughs> material yeah. to do a full two hour tour. But it was not it was not sexual. It was very. It was early 2000s teen bop. I'm going to say the pants were large. Yes, I assume. It was were. a little more sexy when I saw them. Um, I only saw the pop tour. That was their sexiest probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, they were never like trying to like dry hunt people. Right, right. It was always Justin trying to be sexy. I guess Backstreet Boys actually always were a little bit more carnal, even though they were also markedly <laughs> less attractive. Yeah, you know. I say that affectionately. But like, you know, they were always shirtless and wet. This right, was Backstreet yeah. Boys. They mm. were more like B2K vibes. Yeah, they were men. Yeah. <laughs> men. <laughs> Kevin. About mask shaming boy bands. That's <laughs> what this has come to. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, but the others were, you know, like, they felt like young teenagers. Right. I Whereas, guess. you know, like, Brian trial anyway do you need a minute i do need a minute i also just wish i could see Ari the second weekend because some mics were not working 
Oh, oh I, I heard, heard about that. Yeah. On the black people's. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki's wasn't working. Borderline voter suppression. Uh, Mace and Puffy, which was wild that they came out, but they couldn't hear themselves. It was clear their mics were on, but they couldn't hear themselves. That and that Nikki Mike moment was she felt so indicative of she of a lot of things. Too. She referenced it. Yeah, I made a little mic joke. I was like, okay. It was also sad because earlier that day, Lizzo's had sound problems. Mm. Um, but it said a lot that Lizzo had sound problems, but ended up being, I think, the best show of the weekend. Did she do it uh, a lot for the woodwind community yet again? She did. She did some. She did some flutery. I go- <laughs> <laughs> I need her to revitalize <clears throat> every instrument. Like get that. Get a bassoon in her mouth, please. <laughs> Contra bassoon and otherwise. Uh well. Anyway, that's Coachella. I'll see if anything different happens next weekend. Yeah, please do. I will. I will not be able to go because I will be. I'll be flying to London, oh, Tom. Nope, no. Oh, Cheerio. No. Cheerio. Get out now. Get <laughs> flight now. Can you get on the plane immediately? <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. Welcome to Keep It's newest segment, 20 Plenty. <laughs> oh, no. We got a workshop. That out. sounds like a mall story that was canceled in a prox 2006. Keeping it 2020. Mm. We need to not indulge yeah. the brand of John Lovett any further. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> anyway, we're jumping back into a discussion of the never-ending saga that is the presidential <sighs> election. It's not just for Pod Save America. Uh, this is... Can it be, though? <laughs> Can we... <laughs> we're almost one twenty-third of the way through this track. Oh, my God. It is so early. Right. It is... I can't believe it's still happening. And these Whoa. people are so obligated to give you so much content. So it's like you have no choice but to be exhausted by them, too. I cannot fucking believe that Buttigieg only just announced that he was running. I was like, the fuck have we been doing for the last two months then? An exploratory What was that shit? Are you kidding me? That was the same thing with Elizabeth Warren, where when she, I was like, hasn't it, has, I'm sorry, I thought this happened truly a month ago. I feel like Elizabeth Warren has been running for president for 15 years. I just... <laughs> How are the like it? It honestly feels like it's just it's like a tortoise in the hare situation. Whoever announces last is going to become president just because they'll have the most energy. Like everyone is tiring themselves out too early, and you just need someone to hop in at the end. Like I can do it. Yeah, Cory Booker's asleep <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> but speaking of content from the 2020 hopefuls, everyone was waiting for their responses to a tweet from Trump last Friday when he sent out an inflammatory video with images of the World Trade Center burning and other images from the attack, implying that Representative Ilan Omar minimized the horror of the September 11th terror attacks. Democratic presidential hopefuls made a variety of statements in response to the video, some calling out the Islamophobic and racist rhetoric and standing with Omar, while others were... Pretty spotless. <laughs> yeah, shockingly. One Nancy of them, Pelosi. Uh, yeah, Nancy Pelosi and Tom Perez have yet to say any fucking thing. I mean, her her tweet was what, what was her tweet? Her tweet was something about just the like, memory of 9 yes. 11 is sacred ground and any discussion of it must be done with reverence. The president shouldn't use the painful images of 9 11 for a political attack. Oh, go, thanks, girl. Go to hell. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me with that shit? Like, you are basically, you're, you're not agreeing with Trump, but that is not a far enough response. Like, 
deviation from what he's talking about. You didn't say anything about Representative Omar, who is now being targeted with even more death threats and attacks from these racist fucking maniacs. They arrested and, someone who yeah, tried, who was like, planning to kill her. You're the leader of this party, and it was the most chicken shit thing I have seen her do, and she's done a lot of chicken shit things. Also, the video he posted, the statements he made, were so clearly extremely out of context. If you're going to comment on it, you need to recontextualize right. it in a way that is journalistically accurate one but two like fair like make she me was, fair to she this was person. responding to him on the same playing field mm-hmm. like she was not she yeah. didn't recontextualize it she didn't explain anything she treated like he what he was saying was valid and was just responding to it that way when it's like these are lies and you have to call them lies by calling it a political attack just makes it seem like you know, everyone's having a fair debate right. going right. on. It's just and that side speaking up. Her yeah. Omar's statements were actually when she was speaking at the Council on American Islamic Relations, and she suggested that the government uh, infringed upon free speech of some Muslim Americans after the attack. She said that CAIR was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties, which, hello, yeah. is true. <laughs> right. Literally what Republicans seized on was the fact that when she said some people instead of terrorists, literally, that is the only thing they have turned into a fucking movement against her and now are weaponizing all of this like, you know, jingoistic hatred against her. Yeah, I mean, it is very true that you cannot be a Muslim in America after 9-11 without have, correct, you know, experience harassment. Hello, they went to the airport? Yeah, can't fucking fly. Like, it just, and then, so then it was the spilling out of the 18,000 people running from president. That's just it. So it's this hideous statement and hideous out of context thing that Trump tweeted. And then it becomes this dread of, how many of these 19 people are going to fuck it and up what are, And what are they going to say? And who's going to have... That's the other thing. Like, the idea of, like, who has the best response. Yeah. And, like, that's just... It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it matters in that, like, yes, we absolutely... Like, people should be supporting her and people should be speaking out. But it became this sort of barometer for, like, the most presidential response, which mm-hmm. is not what this is about. This is about an American citizen being targeted by the president of the United States who's being put in physical danger because he's a fucking racist asshole. And so to it, it, so the larger conversation about it, whether or not the candidates were making it that way, was like, who's who's going to have like the snappiest response to Trump? And it's just like, oh, how like it's so indicative of the way we're already talking about mm-hmm. this presidential like campaign season. Right. Yeah. No, it, it was incredibly serious and incredibly shocking. And it was playing out on Twitter like an episode of At Midnight, like a hashtag that everyone was trying to respond to. <laughs> yeah. with the best pun. Basically. <laughs> it was. Yeah. The the constant tweeting at um, 2020 people. Where's your response? Where's your response? Where's your response? It's like people were attacking Cory Booker and he issued a response later along with Kamala Harris and Kirsten Gillibrand. But People didn't realize that Cory Booker had an event that day. So, like, they were parsing through quotes from that event that were being tweeted out um, Mm -hmm. that he was saying in that pre-written speech as if that was his response to Trump's video. Mm -hmm. And it was this was pre-planned. Like, he didn't have time to get on Twitter and tweet out a response to make you happy when he's in the middle of doing a speech right now. Yeah. What was his response, his tweet? Did he? Because a bunch, most of them were bad. Yeah. And Kristen that's the Gillibrand other thing. Like, was, was terrible. I think like, his and Kamala's were sort of fine. 
Gillibrand's was a goddamn mess. <laughs> um, that's one where I was fine with people dragging her because she said, as a senator who represents 9-11 victims, I can't accept any minimizing of that pain. Which is legitimizing what Trump said. Yeah. Literally using like language he would use and saying basically and responding on that level as if, you know, he's also, not just a chaotic demon. That could mean anything. Yeah. That was yeah. like not specific. Beto's was also not great. His was like... You know, and now, like, we're doing this. We're like, we are stronger than the president's hatred and Islamophobia. Do not let them drive us apart or make us afraid. Thanks. Thanks for that (laughs) fortune cookie. (laughs) Are you Aesop? (laughs) You know, people like Bernie Sanders actually had a good response with, like, you know, he called the video disgusting and dangerous, an example of Trump's racism and hate. And, you know, that's what we need to see. Yeah. I mean, also, it's like, you know, I listen, I, I do get it where Twitter is a way for people to respond to things quickly and it reaches a lot of people and, and, and all of that. But I'm also just like, so what are we doing now? Like, are you going to go meet with Representative Omar? Are you taking any tangible steps to like, you know, I know that I think Nancy Pelosi like ordered for more security for her or something, which like mm-hmm. she was probably doing on her own because she's like, shit, nobody here is fucking helping me. Like she's, he's going to have one of these idiots like, you know, doing God knows what. But I just, it's like the tweet and then you're like, and then what? Yeah, that's the thing. Like you can send a tweet out, but how about you go the extra step? It's so ridiculous too, because Nancy Pelosi gladly posed for that uh, oh, those new covers. class cover for she Rolling sure Stone. When there's Omar a glam squad, she's and, there. And with AOC, she she loved all of that, but she has no problem dragging them you know, in the press or or sort of alluding to them being like young and they don't know what they're doing and all of that. And I'm like, like, then don't show up for the cover, girl. <laughs> keep that same energy. Keep the same energy. Speaking of which, though, I continue to be just astounded by the fact that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is this like boogeyman of the left who responds the best to all of these situations. You can truly count on her to come back with like. A what a, a kind of radically conscientious. Here's me borrowing rhetoric. Response to these things that feels like a millennial who f- fucking kicks ass. I continue to be inspired. The thing by her. is, they have energy. Like that's why I think people like there's an energy behind them where you feel like they're working. You feel like they're doing yeah. something. And it's not that I don't think Nancy Pelosi is working, but like you don't get the sense that she has any urgency with what's happening. Like she just has this very like political demeanor about it. And I'm like, I get it. And maybe you know. Eight years ago, fine. But it's like now you need to feel like people are fucking worried. They're doing shit. They're mad. They're like trying to get things done. And that's why people like AOC and like Rep Omar, where you're like, oh, they're like trying to do some shit. Like they wake up every day and they go to work. Like what's happening today in a way where I don't get that with a lot of these other people. There's like an X factor of urgency missing, generally speaking. Like even to hear Kamala say in one tweet, like she's she says something like, I have to be abrupt. Like we have to defeat him. Like still that's getting at the urgency I want, but still Uh it doesn't feel that, you know, like, you know, DEFCON one red alert, which is what it is. And it's what I imagine younger voters who they need, who will be alive, you know, in the next 15 years, which we can't say for a lot of people that are voting, like that's what I feel like they want. They want to feel like, oh, there are people like working to get things done. So I also need to work and get things done. Like they have some energy to go and do something and change the country and fix this. And so me as a citizen, like I also need to have some energy and what can I do? 
Right. And, you know, and those are the people that I'm responding to, you know, like I do think that AOC, you know, is rad, mm-hmm. as Lewis would say, you know, um, and adjectives, and, rad and grim. Well, you know, as opposed to um, I tweeted before that, like, I don't stand politics. You know, I can think that AOC, I can think Rep Omar, I can think Buttigieg um, and Kama and people are like really cool. And like I'm into some things that they're saying, but I'm not out here posting memes and standing like the way that people are constantly doing on Twitter for like Pelosi, which just makes you look dumb when something like this happens, Mm -hmm. you know? And if we're talking about energy, it is great that AOC has all this energy, even though she is constantly, you know, being talked about in the right wing press as opposed to the quote unquote rising star of the right wing who is that villain Dan Crenshaw. Oh God. I don't know what he does. I really have no idea what he's actually doing. And it seems like he's only just showing up to attack people on the left and sort of getting his name in the press because people keep writing about him. Right. He fucking sucks. And he had some things to say about Omar after the 9-11 tax, too. It's like, shut the fuck up. Right. No, and I also just want to say that I do think, and I don't mean to, this probably sounds cliche in the world of Twitter right now, but like Elizabeth Warren really does represent the urgency I am talking about. She is She has a plan. Yes. Right. (laughs) Policy oriented. She's like, here, I will explain it to you and you will get it. She's the only one out here with like, a serious plan and no yeah. one is paying attention to that. And like this plan is, after plan after plan. Elizabeth, girl, what you need to do is maybe chill a little bit. Everyone else is going to burn themselves out with all <laughs> of this nonsense. And then you come up like, look at my map to make things better. And everyone will be tired of like the Vanity Fair profiles and like, look at me, I eat ice cream. Vote for me. And then you come in, you got shit ready to go. Let's do it. She is literally President Roslyn in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> She's like and the only I am adult. Ready for her to take on every single Cylon. She's the only like adult person who's just like, can we get back to what's happening, guys? <laughs> straight men, please bring up to your other straight male friends why she fucking rules because I need you fucking whispering in their ears. You know what? They're gay people. They're not, they're not listening us. to us. They're not going to save us though. Like, they're it's it's these it's these white women who. You know who you are because yeah. you, we remember what happened last time. Like, yes. I don't I can't even de- I can't even like depend on on men for any. Help. I will lead a Zumba class and put in subliminal messages about Elizabeth Warren <laughs> if I fucking have to. Yes. If Fade. that's going to get. The- <laughs> yes. Fade out. Put a flea in their ear. Can we, get something, <laughs> can we put something in like the bottled white wine spritzers around the country <laughs> for all of these these <laughs> suburban white women? And then it makes them fall in love with Elizabeth Warren or, or hate themselves less as women. And then and then they'll be willing to let a woman lead like something. Well, I'm going to go to the liquor store and pick up some whispering Warren. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) When we're back, Shea Serrano talks to us about sports. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis. Yes. When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. 
And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside, and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. This is BVK for Ocean City Tourism, OCMD Streaming Audio. On March 11th, 2024... The title of the spot is STSA Leisure Summer. This is a 30-second composite stereo streaming audio mix. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off and hang 10 while hanging out, where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun, where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, And there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. A cheating scandal, a divorce, a DUI arrest, and four back surgeries later, Tiger Woods is back. I did not intend that pun. (laughs) 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 On Sunday, one of the world's most recognizable and accomplished golfers once again won his fifth master, which is his 15th major title overall. His win garnered the attention of none other than our alleged president, who on Monday tweeted that he will be awarding Tiger Woods (laughs) with the Presidential Medal (laughs) of Freedom. Wait, read the whole tweet. (laughs) 
<laughs> the tweet said, because of his incredible success and comeback in sports, quotation marks, golf. <laughs> um, those words were capitalized, by the way. And more importantly, all caps, life, I will be presenting him with the, all caps, Presidential Medal of Freedom, exclamation point. Also, what you actually mean is golf, not life. <laughs> he won the golf thing. Other recipients of this award include Maya Angelou, Toni Morrison, <laughs> and Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> to dive into this, this, this honor, this historic moment, we have none other than Shea Serrano here. Golf expert. <laughs> you are finally on the podcast. Finally. I've been fucking asking. <laughs> asking, eight, harassing. Eight months harassing. <laughs> Every day a DM. We did your <laughs> podcast, so it was only correct. That was that was like there. my strategy was let me invite <laughs> y'all first and maybe I'll get, maybe I'll get on the campus. Uh, and your podcast is Villains. Correct. Which is appropriate because there are... There's some villains in the middle of this. <laughs> um, what do you make of this? What do I make of the whole entire thing? What like, do you make of Tiger Woods getting a presidential? I mean, obviously, this is nonsense. What do we make of Tiger Woods <laughs> even having a comeback? Yeah, that he finally, when I heard that he won, I thought it was a joke. Really? Yeah, because it's just, I feel like he, for the last few years, like since, since Ellen bashed his window in with that golf club it felt like we were resigned to like oh he was great and mm -hmm. he's just now like every time he lost to he just looks so pained and it was like oh now this is this like limping horse of a person that is still trying and it just felt like kind of sad to watch and mm -hmm. then like he fucking won yeah 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 i would say i remember specifically when he won his first masters by like 12 strokes and i was in fifth grade i am 32 now so this stretch is already like zany zanes but um, um i mean just first of all it just calls to mind how unoften golf is part of the nat national conversation that like i remember that specific moment but secondly it's like how many people are doing the exact same thing they did in 1997 it is really him serena williams and judge judy so the fact i don't think there's anybody else and Wait, to be doing it at the top of their craft is like very very shocking he wanted it in, i thought the last time was 2000 and oh he he won it more recently the first time he won in 1997 oh, I, got yeah. I got you yeah yeah i don't know uh, i don't follow golf a lot Golf. I thought you knew everything about sports. I knew everything about all sports except for anything that's not basketball. <laughs> oh, so it's, it's like Important distinction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually in an airport in Austin when all of this stuff was yeah. happening. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. They're just... Hundreds of white people gathered around a television. <laughs> and I'm like, something, something's up. Something either really Do I good, need to run? Really this is how the, the race war has started. Yeah, this is how the purge four started. <laughs> so I wandered over there and I saw the red shirt and I was like, oh, it's Tiger. In my head, I didn't know all of the stuff that had been going on with Tiger since I thought he'd won every Masters since 1997. <laughs> sure. I was yeah. like, okay, what's the big deal? And so I made some jokes about it on Twitter. And then like people were really like... What are you talking about? This is a big deal. <laughs> like, okay, let me let me read a bit about it. But yeah, this shit is it's wild. It just feels like as every day I wake up and the news is something that makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And it's usually bad things. And so this was like, this also makes no sense, but I guess it's good. Right. You I know, was like, I was, like it. Yeah, I you're like, congratulations. <laughs> How is this happening? I guess good for you, man. You know, like it okay. 
What's funny is that in my mind, I know that they are not the same people, but because Tiger Woods is so light-skinned, I constantly think of <laughs> OJ when I think about Tiger Woods. Jesus oh, I know. Um, Brilliant and, cultural commentator, but, I remember. <laughs> and I know Tiger Woods has not murdered anybody as far as we know. <laughs> but, you know, I think they have some of that same similar, you know, pop culture um, sort of resonance. They're both sort of um, rich black people who have behaved badly and sort of just gotten away with it. And so much of Tiger Woods's behavior has been like, oh, I had such an adjacency to whiteness. I thought I could do whatever I wanted. Right. You know, like when the affair came out, he was like, um, I felt that I worked hard my entire life and deserved to enjoy all the temptations around me. I felt I was entitled. And thanks to money and fame, I didn't have to go far to find them. You know, like he... That is very cognitive. That's the same thing <laughs> that I said when I got Postmates on my phone. I was like, I'm never going to Taco Bell. That's what I say when Postmates says, can you come downstairs? And I'm like, I am entitled to you coming to my door. Shay, you do. So you know about all sports as long as it's basketball. Mm -hmm. Where would you rank Tiger's comeback in terms of like a larger like sports comeback story? I think... I don't think you can do the whole the whole like Jordan comparison when he came back because that was two years and yep. he was still really great. He was like he was better when he came back. And we gave like, him a goddamn movie. Yeah, yeah he was fine. Um, I'm going to I'm going to say uh, Tim Duncan just because the Spurs are my favorite basketball team. But they won in 2007 and then they just sort of fell off after that. And nobody heard of them. And then surprise, we're back. They were that was only six years later. Mm -hmm. But even still then watching it, they got to the finals in 2013 and they ended up losing. And then they came back in 2014 and were somehow greater than they had ever been ever in the history of time. And that was really like a powerful thing for me to watch. I thought I'd never see another Spurs title again. I can't imagine how it felt if Tiger Woods is your favorite golfer and you go right. through all of that shit. Right. <laughs> and then, oh, my God, he's going to do it. Is he really going to do this? Yeah. The only golfer I know. I, uh, I'm aside happy. from <laughs> wait, Didn't Michael Jordan play golf briefly? Professional. I mean, he, he, like, yeah, he played golf. Like yeah. a rich man plays golf. Yeah. What? What? What did he try to switch to that wasn't about baseball? Baseball. 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 Oh, yeah. There it was. It was in Space Jam. What is wrong with you? That is a whole. That is literally the plot point of Space Jam is that he retires from basketball. That is the whole movie. Lola Bunny is my favorite athlete. I've not seen Space Jam in a minute. Okay. Clearly. Okay. I prefer you know my other favorite animated film, The Owls of Gawoop. <laughs> yes, uh, I saw that 30 Rock episode, but, but they made fun of that. Uh, I just want to say also about golf, I actually do find it shockingly watchable. I don't know what it is. I think this is a gay-specific thing. But, like, individual sports, again, you can actually read their entire story in their eyes. I keep thinking, like, are they going through a divorce? You know, just, like, things that go through your mind during, like, a prestige drama you actually get to read into with the players. And, by the way, there has to be something valid about a sport that, like, Catherine Hepburn once played in Giant Pink Bloomers. I'm just saying, the fact that that's still a national pastime is very exciting to I me. thought you were going for, like, a joke about 18 holes. But, anyway. Never, what? Moving no. on. <laughs> moving on. I'm a professional writer? Okay, going on. <laughs> <laughs> so. Sometimes low-hanging fruit is funny. Okay. Yeah, to you. All right. Let's get back on track, you two. <laughs> They're staring at I, each other. I will say this. I think this comeback, uh, in my cursory knowledge of sports, ranks up there with George Foreman, who had a very, very late comeback. And As also Michael Phelps, who was like somebody, for, we forget, like, 
basically people were like, oh, he's like a dumb drug addict or something for years and years. Then he came back and won like another hundred medals. Well, he's white. So that's the other thing, too. You know, <laughs> he when Tiger Woods left, he talked about when he returns, he needs to make his behavior more respectful to the game. But even in 2017, you know, he was arrested for driving under the influence when the police found him asleep behind the wheel of his car, which was still running in the middle of the night. Uh, and he was like hopped up on painkillers. So I'm like, that was two years ago. Obviously, he didn't do anything to become a better person. And he's still friends with Donald Trump, which is a detriment. That's why he's getting this Medal of Freedom, by the way. Like, Tiger Woods is friends with Donald Trump. P.S. Have you looked at who Trump has given this medal to? They are routinely dead people because they don't fucking show up. Like, uh, Obama famously gave it to the people you mentioned earlier, Oprah, etc. Trump gave it to Elvis Presley. It does feel like a giveth and taketh that this black person is the best golfer again, but then he's fucking friends with John. Like, that's so 2019. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's of what we deserve. Is. I know. You're you're a Trump fan, Shay. No, I'm kidding. Super, <laughs> super Trump. You, something that in, is interesting about you, you have like a, your Twitter following mm-hmm. is like crazy. Like one, you just like end up on New York Times bestseller list because you tell people to buy the book and they just do it. Mm-hmm. But you, I think it's funny when I, you're not funny, but when you'll tweet about how much you hate Donald Trump and you have all of the, you have a lot of fans that are just like stick to sports, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. But you don't. No, I don't. Um, yeah, every once in a while, it's just like he would do a thing and you just have to be like, fuck this guy. Fuck Donald Trump and fuck anyone who stands with him. Mm-hmm. It's like the common thing that I'm tweeting all the time. And yeah, every once in a while or like each time I do it, there are three or four people who I guess they just showed up a week ago and they, they missed the last one. <laughs> and like, What's going on here? You should not be saying this. My favorite one is they're like, this is going to be bad for book sales. And like, <laughs> OK, first of all, like some things are more important than book sales. But second of all. It was like a number one New York Times. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. We're fine. On the, we kind of worry about about that part. But yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck all of the. Like I don't even like to hear his name or see his face. We're at that point. Yeah. In my life, where like you just you just hate him. Yeah. I just hate him. This and, sound, oh, I was gonna say this sounds so elementary, but I honestly still appreciate people who just even in the, like plain language like that repeat that several times because I mm-hmm. feel like in a way people are worried about. Uh, uh, that bashing Trump is not novel. You know, and it's like, no, we have to keep repeating it. It has yeah. to keep being said out loud. This yeah. name keeps invading us and keeps being horrible, keeps being wretched. So it's important to reiterate. You're also one of the only people that uses Twitter for good. Twitter, yeah. the wasteland of the world. <laughs> yes. You, you, like, when did you start? So I don't, if you guys follow Shay, which you better be following Shay, um, you will like routinely raise thousands and thousands of dollars mm-hmm. for people for causes for and 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 it, i think it really also speaks to like the people that like your work where they're so willing to to like get involved and to want to help but when did you start doing that that happened by accident almost all of this stuff happens by accident but i was working at the time at grantland and this was 2015 i believe i signed a contract in july of 2015 to work at grantland and then in october of 2015 grantland closed and espn was like this is all through espn they said hey we can either pay you for the rest of the i was a year-long contract we could pay you for the rest of the year or like you can go work somewhere else and i said i think i'll take those free checks please I do Brilliant. That, right. <laughs> so I was like, I had this eight month period where I wasn't doing anything. So my friend Arturo and I, he's an illustrator. We started a newsletter and it was just like this free thing. And we, I was just like 
trying to stay busy. And it, you know, got tens of thousands of followers real quick or subscribers. And it ended up costing money. It was like maybe two or 300 bucks a month. And I made a joke about it on Twitter one day saying that I was paying for it. And then everybody started saying, hey, let, well, I'll send you a dollar. I'll send you two dollars, whatever. And I was ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it. And finally, like the fourth newsletter, I put a button in there, a little donation button. I was like, all right, you want to send money in? Go ahead. Uh, like halfway as a joke, but not really. And <laughs> uh, like I woke up that morning and it was like thousands of dollars in my account or like that had mm -hmm. been sent to PayPal or Venmo or whatever it was. And uh, I called Arturo and I told him and I was like, hey, what do, what do we want to do? I didn't know if I was going to get in trouble at ESPN because people were paying me. I, like I didn't want to break a rule mm -hmm. or whatever. Arturo grew up in this like a uh, uh, battered woman shelter in Dallas. Mm -hmm. and he's like, can we give the money to them? That would mm -hmm. be cool for me. And I was like, let's fucking do it. So I, we gave them a couple thousand dollars. I gave Arturo, you know, whatever money he would let me give him. And we were like, surprise, we did this. And that was like the first time that it happened. Mm -hmm. We just didn't plan it. It just sort of happened. And then like a month later, I put another donation button in there. And when I did it that time, everyone was like, where are you donating the money this time? Mm -hmm. I was like, I was, I was going to keep it this time, but I guess, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll donate it. And then so we donated that time. That was like, I think maybe some uh, Thanksgiving, yeah. like a children's food shelter or something mm -hmm. like that. And then that's just how it started. And then now that became like a thing we were associated with, which to me was a really cool reputation to have. Mm -hmm. um, people just sending me shit like, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? It's neat. Yeah, you've like... I'll see people's GoFundMe's and like someone will send it to you or whatever. And then, mm -hmm. and then you'll get them like well past the goal. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Shay is the only person doing yeah, something what? good on Twitter. Right. Like thousands <laughs> for Planned Parenthood, for like an LGBTQ youth center in San Antonio, for hurricane relief after Harvey. Like yeah. you're doing it. I just yeah. make jokes. The, uh, <laughs> I, find, I find charitable contributions suspicious. <laughs> the plan wrong with you? One, that, that one made a lot of people mad. That was like another time. They're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Well, they help people, and especially women. So it's, yeah. again, suspicious. It's like, uh, you know, yeah. we're, uh, we're pro-choice, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is wild, this intersection, I guess, of the people who follow you because they love sports um, and you talk about them. And hate women. And, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are also like, I hate women and maybe I'm racist and I love Donald Trump, uh, which is just crazy to me when, I mean, I think we've all experienced that too. You know, yeah. we're like, someone follows you because they like some part of your content. Mm -hmm. But then when you tweet something that they don't like, they're like, Hey, I'm not following you for that. It's like, bitch, where have you been? Right. right. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> so, Shay, we are, I mean, I watched basketball. Um, I bought but, your book. Yeah. Basketball. So, I mostly bought it for my best friend who loves <laughs> basketball, but I've been reading it too. I got myself a copy. There you go. But it is, we're now in the NBA playoffs. So do you have any, you know, for, for the Keep It listeners, for, for this panel, just like some, what should we be looking out for? What should we be excited about? You should be excited about my beloved San Antonio Spurs. Are they going to win? No, they are not. Okay. <laughs> They're going to lose. Um, but I'm I'm watching them. The Spurs are the seventh seed. They're playing the Nuggets right now. And the Nuggets are a young team. So there's like a chance we could upset them. We won the first game. Mm -hmm. They play again tonight. I'm excited about that. I think what everybody's watching is to see, number one, are the Warriors going to win it again? Mm -hmm. They had a big, they had a big collapse last night. They were up 31 and then they gave the whole lead back and lost the game at the end against the Clippers who don't have anybody that's like a top-level player. It's just a bunch of guys mm -hmm. who fucking try hard. Um, so everybody's watching to see what happens with Golden State. Everybody's watching to see what happens with the Houston Rockets 
because Golden State and and the Rockets are going to play in the second round. Is Beyonce on the Rockets? She is. Yeah. She plays center. Mm. Oh, okay. Really excited about that. <laughs> you know, I, I only, love a jump ball with Beyonce. I only know about the Spurs, by the way, because of Ava Longoria. Yeah, that's so right. So I, I used to watch games to see her like that. Check it out. We can get it. And then on the the East is wide open. Okay. There's like no favorite over on the East. Who's going to have the best outfit as they walk into the game? The best outfit is going to be... Oh, you need some. I'm going to I'm going to throw a, a dark horse pick. Let me go with DeMar DeRozan. OK, Ooh, mm-hmm. I've never seen him have an interesting outfit, but maybe he was saving it. That's been my favorite update, like with the N- NBA is like all of them rolling. Like, I feel like Russell Westbrook, would you say he started that? Yeah, he was the first he guy was like, who's the... like, what's he going to show up? In? Yeah. And yeah. He, and he took it like this whole other level. Like he first he just started wearing really like fancy clothes, exotic clothes. Oh, this looks really cool. Yeah. He's going to show up in like a misfit shirt and a leather jacket and pants all torn up. But then he, he like pivoted hardcore to just, he could wear anything. Like he had this big feud with Kevin Durant. It was like his, his main, main guy on the yeah. team and he left to the Warriors and, and they like hated each other. They never came out and said it, but they hated each other. And uh, Kevin Durant was like, one day he was f- being a photographer at a football game. Mm-hmm. And then, Russell Westbrook shows up to a basketball game wearing a photographer's vest and he doesn't say anything about it. He's like, I just wanted to wear a photographer's vest. Ooh, oh, that's exciting. NBA yeah. shade. Yeah, yeah. It's fat. He's the best. He's the best. Yeah. At it. Does it bother you that there hasn't been a definitive basketball movie in like 25 years? Seriously, White Man Can't Jump was the last one. And then it's Hoosiers before that. No, you've had you've had a uh, He Got Game. Which is really good. Oh, I yeah. will allow he got game. No, <laughs> middle tier. No, no, a hundred. No, I think he got game is bad. He, he got game is not bad. R- uh, Ray Allen with that acting. Ray Allen was really good. Ray Allen Rosario. was really good. I think Denzel is doing a lot in that movie. Yes, that he is. Denzel does you, a lot I in every movie. Agree. I completely agree. <laughs> what do I love in basketball? Yes. Oh, that is that's iconic. See? That's iconic. Which is okay. definitely Justin Timberlake's um, favorite excuse, movie. Excuse me. What about you? Know what I quite enjoyed was Coach Carter. A shot he did that. <laughs> I am not mad at Coach Carter. Um, I will say that um, I tried to get really into basketball this past year because I mm-hmm. loved going to Lakers games because of, you know, status. And also, <laughs> you know, I was excited about LeBron joining the team. And then obviously that blew up in my face. Mm-hmm. So Go watch the Sparks. Okay. The Sparks have a good team. Yeah. And they, uh, they drafted this player out of Notre Dame named Marina Mabry who's like one of my favorite college basketball players because you just fucking talk shit the whole game. <laughs> that's <laughs> what Fantastic. I need. Yeah. More yeah. of that. Marina Mabry, that's your player right there. Okay. You know, he's going to let you hear about it. Listen, I am all about getting into the WNBA. Yeah. So. It's a lot of fun. It should be honestly a serious gay initiative. It bothers me that we're not like standing them constantly. We should. Yeah. We'll start that. <laughs> But Let's again, that would require it. me to get into team sports. And again, I can't read drama in people's eyes in team sports. <laughs> you can why read tennis listen. is great. You can read the drama in the... I think if you started watching the dudes walking in before the games, the, you, you'd like it. There's they're something all, there. They're all wearing... They're all enormous men in very small pants. Tight, tight clothes. Tight, tight clothes. Like, could fit you, but they're wearing them. Oh, okay. Yeah. You put me in the game. Yeah, all right. yeah, yeah. I think you... And they've been they've been bringing it. I think you might like that. Shay, where can people find your work? On the ringer.com. The, the best, ringer. The best website on the internet. Yes. You know, I I love the ringer.com. Do the you? Ringer's, love ringer's it. Fine. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I didn't read it that much when I worked at MTV News. 
but now, <laughs> now I do because MTV, you know, was was buried in a sarcophagus. I can't believe I can't believe what happened there. I was I was talking about that the other day. I was going to like the list of writers that they had on there, and it was like you. It was. Uh, Jessica, it was Mark, it was Doreen, Doreen yeah. Molly, Molly, uh, like, it was you gotta wild. be kidding me. Yeah. We can also, you've written some books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wrote a, a rap book called The Rap Year Book, mm -hmm. came out 2015, so that's like the old one. The basketball book, Basketball and Other Things, came out 2017. And then I have one coming out this October called Movies and Other Things. I got lazy and I was like, just I'll just change the word. Of the other <laughs> I have, have pre-ordered have the you book. Really? I pre-ordered the book. My guy. Yes. I, I am a fan and I support <laughs> literature, even though everyone who listens to this podcast thinks that I discovered books. They think Kara, I'm the only when, one that can when, read. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Lewis and Ira actually cannot read. It's just Kara. I stop at Garfield, sweetie. <laughs> I tweeted about reading a book once. And so I was like, did Kara Brown hack your account? I was like, I, I, I went to college. <laughs> I think I had to read a few books to get a master's degree. But thanks, You're, Susan pr in Ohio. Prove it. <laughs> Shay is dope. You should buy his books. You should listen to villains and follow him on Twitter. Yes. And you Do finally, donate money. Yes, donate money. And you, you finally made it to keep it. Finally. Congrats. And I'm retiring. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with some info on the WGA. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. After negotiations between the Writers Guild of America and the Association of Talent Agents fell apart, the WGA sent its 13,000 members instructions to notify their agents in writing that they can no longer be represented by them until they agree to sign the WGA's new Code of Conduct. Writers like Patton Oswalt, David Simon, and Stephen King have taken to social media to show their support. And the general Hollywood press has been extremely bad at reporting any of this. Well, specifically Deadline.com. Specific, specifically Deadline, but even like the New York Times is reporting stuff erroneously. Um, there's this idea that the Guild is 
forcing its writers to fire their agents. First of all, we voted as a guild and overwhelmingly overwhelmingly voted. 93% of the guild- I think it's 95%. 95% said, let's do this. So it's not like people being forced to do anything by some unnamed shadowy people in the WGA. We all decided to do this. And Deadline is also doing shit where they're reporting like there will be action taking uh, taken against people who don't fire their agents which is which is all dumb. Yeah, it you know, I it's interesting because I when I see you know, I think a lot of it can feel a little insider baseball-y. Um, and you're starting to see, though, more people, because I think people are are, are worried that it's going to be like the strike and they're going to remember that, what was it, Office season two, or, or you only got like 13 episodes um, because that was during the strike. And like, that's not what's happening. But it it's interesting because this is like, you know, it's it's so cliche, but it's like peak TV. And so you have all of these people who are, who are fans of television. And I think suddenly realizing like understanding the business of it a little bit more and Mm -hmm. like that you even know the names of showrunners now, I feel like is not something that 10 years ago, like you didn't know, you didn't know who created that show. You just knew who was in it. And so I do appreciate that this is opening people's eyes also to the people who are, I would argue doing most of the heavy lifting and getting your TV on the screen, Mm -hmm. which are the writers. Yeah. If anything, it's sort of lending more credence to the fact that writers should be more important in Hollywood, you know, and it's maybe we'll fix dumb things like when award shows like the Oscars and things happen where you barely mention the writers. They don't and even it's like... show when, <laughs> when it is when you're at the Oscars, right? And it's like best actress nominees and you see they cut to the actor or a picture of them. And when it's the writers, it's a picture of the script. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sorry, did that script? A human wrote that. <laughs> I have never seen a five shot of like writers. Exactly, of yeah. the writers. And it's like a human being wrote that. Yeah, that's a very good point. I would love to see crazy writers' faces shows. on screen. So you know what they look like. And you can start being fans of them. I am very supportive of the fact that, you know, we're in this sort of murky place now. And people who are showrunners are still doing that legwork of hiring staff writers and going out of their way since there won't be agents involved. Like people like Krista Vernoff, who was a executive producer on Grey's Anatomy, with Shauna since the early days. She's joining a initiative on Twitter where people can email her scripts and she'll read one a week and they can, um, you know, get feedback from her and she can recommend them to other people. Like Latoya Morgan was doing like hashtag WGA staffing boost, you know, to get new writers just sort of in front of people. And I think that it's really just highlighting for people how involved you should be in your union and how much legwork you can do yourself. Also, initiatives like that, I just want to say, are exciting because the idea of an agent, I'm not calling agents worthless or anything like that, but it really comes from a day before the internet. So like when people are just like, oh, wait, I have the power to be like, here are 10 people that that should be staffed on shows. Like that is really fabulous. Like that's like something we've missed. I think also people are understanding as there's been like this greater push for diversity one they're seeing like oh wow when you have a writer's room that includes different people the show is better like you look at a show like Russian Doll and that room was all women and that mattered for her and uh, for how good the show was and so I think as television viewers as like 
we've all started to care more. We've started to see, we've started to demand more representation on TV. I think viewers are also understanding that like the writers are part of that representation. Like when you watch a show, you can tell like, was a woman in the room when they wrote this? Mm -hmm. Probably not. And so I think that's a reason to care about this um, because it's all sort of, it's, it's, it's all part of the same sort of conversation and movement and all of that. But like, it seems like people are understanding the direct link between, oh, I want to see better content. I want to see content that speaks to me. I want to see stories that feel authentic and knowing that like that involves the people in the room being those people. And when you have people using rhetoric like this is upending the way that things have been going in Hollywood uh, for so long, I'm like, good. When yeah, have we yeah. ever when have we ever wanted that status quo? You know, you you look at the people who have been continuing to maybe work for years, the amount of TV shows that are only written by white people, only written by men, it's 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 numerous. Yeah. You know, and a lot of that is probably also agent gatekeepers who are keeping, you know, white men in power. Yeah. You know, it'll be very interesting. It's it's such a like muddy situation because, for example, with the when there was the strike that was negotiating between the guild and the studios. So it's like, who cares about a studio executive? You know what I mean? Like you don't mm -hmm. really know them and whatever. And this is more personal. And that's why it's gotten, I think, so heated, because these are people that we actually know and talk to all the time and, and are friends with and really like. And and that's why this has felt I think stickier and like maybe a little nastier because like if it's against the studios, you're like, go hard, please. I don't care. But you feel bad being like, go get them knowing that it's, you know, it's your friend on the other side of it. Which I was gonna say makes it all the more disturbing that letter that was written by John Robin Bates, who is the creator of the show Brothers and Sisters. And don't Wh forget the, the slap. slap. Brothers and Sisters, which by the way, got better once Greg Berlanti took it over. Anyway, yes. uh, the slap, he wrote Stonewall. Yes, which the, no. he, the, 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 the movie yeah. that imagined a um, white man was the first person who threw the brick at Stonewall. I was gonna say, so this guy wrote a letter that was basically classically scabby. He, he told the guild that he wouldn't fire his agent because he basically was trying to introduce the concept that like, I love these people. They do great work for me. No one here is arguing that like agents aren't human beings that we don't yeah. enjoy or whatever, but it does seem um, sort of characteristic of like the guy who wrote Stonewall to um, misrepresent a sea change moment. So I actually am not that surprised. The reporting a deadline on that was so wild too. Like the headline says, John Robert Bates, first major writer to rebuff WGA demand. He fires agents. Major writer where? Also, sir? first, <laughs> you mean only? Yeah. <laughs> like It's such a leading headline. Yeah, like, it here implies comes that, 70 yeah. more. Also, my favorite quote from him, I think it was from the letter, where he said, you know, he's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm taking steps to make shit better. I'm, I'm promoting a female diversity hire. Yes. That's what he called this <laughs> presumably woman of color. He called her a female diversity hire. I didn't realize diversity was, am I a diversity woman? She identifies as a diversity I, I hire. I, I identify as diversity. <laughs> like, it doesn't sound like someone who's really, like, feet on the ground trying to make some change here. And also, that was, I guess, self-congratulatory? It was. It was like, <laughs> look at what I'm doing. I don't know her name, but um, she's, I saw some... She's diverse. The entire uh, letter is self-congratulatory. The moment where he says, Aaron Sorkin asked me to write an episode of The West Wing um, thanks to my 
agent, Joe Cohen at CAA. Um, and I did write that episode, which was shot pretty much word for word. <laughs> oh my god was it after Aaron Sorkin did a pass yeah, I'm, then... like, I'm like sir I do not in any universe believe that Aaron Sorkin did not rewrite right, right. a freelance episode <laughs> of West Wing also this guy was talking about this battle that's going on and he said let's not be a part of the current cruelty and coarseness in the world oh you fucking figured it out the WGA <laughs> wanting like to be paid fairly is just like Trump I guess a labor what? union yes is. do you not understand what a union is everybody literally almost everybody in this union has this problem and you are saying but I kind of don't that's not what being in a union is you go with those people also there's something just so trash in having benefited from the sacrifices that people in a union have made before you and then being like, nah, not for me. Right. Yeah. It's also just really sort of backfired because he was talking about how much money he was making for some of these things, like the minimum for his script for the West Wing. And it's those minimums have gone down, bitch. (laughs) So you prove the point that we're making less money in a time where agents' salaries have risen. Yeah, it's, you know, I think the other thing is too, like writers just want to like go and write and make stuff. And so like, it's also just really, I think for a lot of us, it's just like kind of gross and you don't want to deal with it. And it just feels like there's a lot of greed and, you know, and it's like, none of us want this. Like we want to go make cool TV and movies and shit for people. And we want to be like fairly compensated. And we want like, we want a, a diverse group of people being able to tell these stories. And so treating it like we're, we're these like, asshole boogeyman or we're being manipulated by the WGA. It's like, nobody wants this. We want to, like, do you think do you think those writers on The Office didn't want to keep writing? Right. No, <laughs> yeah. it's uncomfortable to call this out the way this is. You're you're exactly right, you know. We're, I mean, not to be, um, not to be too uh, uh, Oberlin College about it, but it's like, no, we just want to make the goddamn <laughs> art. We don't want to yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. What do we want? <laughs> art. Yeah, and I guess the final takeaway is just Follow some writers online and find out what they're saying about it. Don't read what's being filtered through Deadline or other outlets like even the New York Times, which don't even have the facts correct. You know, I think it's really highlighting the fact that a lot of entertainment journalism is bad and people just don't know what they're talking about it is kind of the nice thing about twitter is it's not really hard to find the super creative people who like you will be entertained to keep following through not just this but you know whatever actually fun things they're up to well when we're back keep it and we're back with our favorite segment of the week it's keep it within keep it the show. Yes, it's it's, it's keep it section. Quite, yeah. Keep it Mobius strip, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Lewis, what is your keep it? First of all, mini keep it to Twitter for not eulogizing properly Georgia Angle, who's an actress on Mary Tyler Moore's show, one of the great ensembles of all time. Like all the great sitcoms with great ensembles. Not only is it a super cohesive cast, but every single person is like their own individual TV show. She was fabulous. R.I.P. My real keep it is to Vogue magazine mm. for mm. doing an awesome spread of RuPaul, super glammed up Annie Leibovitz, you know, my favorite wizard photographer who Ru, Ru in the shoot is very 
glammed up and sort of like, I'll, I'll call it Edwardian, the, the way that like Madonna would look in a Marie Antoinette gown, mm -hmm. et cetera, or very, like Leontine Price with a turban. So there's lots going on there. Very learned ladies. Quite. Yes. We rarely get to see Rue that expensive looking. Like we see her in drag all the time, but it's not quite the same thing as that kind of production value. Drag race doesn't have a budget. There's that. Why wasn't she on the cover? Because they put Kim Kardashian on the cover. Guys, have you ever seen a, if you haven't seen a, a magazine cover of Kim Kardashian, please stay under the rock in which you live. <laughs> no one is like, I need to see what she looks like on the cover of Vogue again. It was so, it's such a boring picture. Uh, her 73 questions, not as bad as you'd think though. By the way, if I need to host my own podcast where I review every episode of 73 Questions, I will do it because it is weirdly endearing to most celebrities. Oh, Victoria Beckham is the best. Yes. It is unbelievable. It is what I mean, I always loved her, but it was like, oh, she's fucking funny. Yeah. That you get that in her. her, her What's questions. one thing in the world do you want to get rid of? AIDS. <laughs> she also picks exactly one angle for her face to be seen throughout the entire thing. And so she's like kind of giving herself scoliosis looking over her shoulder the entire time. So anyway, this is part of my theory that Anna Wintour is secretly just very boring. Her entire hard bob look is stolen from my favorite, one of my favorite actresses of all time, Lee Grant. I'm putting it out there. And I just think if she were a little bit more adventurous and a little bit more rad, she would have put RuPaul on the cover and not Kim it Kardashian. It was the wet hair, right? That was the picture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's it's funny because that was Kim's first solo cover, I believe. Because she was on with Kanye before. They like begrudgingly put her on the cover for her wedding with Kanye, which... That was when Anna was just like, I don't want to do this, but Kanye will not stop fucking texting me, so I guess we'll put these fools on the cover. But listen, endure a, you know, crazed Republican husband right. and free a couple people from prison and decide to be a lawyer, and you too can get a Vogue cover. I mean, you know what I wish? Listen, I'm not going to drag Kim Kardashian for taking the bar exam. However, <laughs> she's obviously not going to be a lawyer. No. So I just wish... She could give some of her money. We don't need, we have brilliant people who are lawyers. We don't need you. You're not brilliant. It's fine though. That's fine. You have a lot of money. Can you just donate money to causes that you clearly care about or that you want to fix with your supposed lawyering? Like I, I, I get it and it's like, it's getting her headlines and stuff. And it's not like I'm out here like, oh, she shouldn't, you know, it's bad that she's trying to do this, but like we all have our strengths i don't know that this is hers right her strength is lots of money lean into that one kim i think that would go better for you did you know also that the thing she is doing where she's basically being an apprentice to a lawyer in order to study for the bar exam like 38 people in california did that last year and how many people passed the bar exam one right it so it, she's saying she's going to be in the one percent that passes i bet you she doesn't end up taking it yeah like, I think that this is I think she's going to study and be like, oh, now I've learned a lot. But I I also what the fuck is she going to do after she passes it? Can she's not going to go be a lawyer. It's like when can she was going to be the mayor of Glendale. It's like, so what measures were you going to pass? <laughs> right. Can you open a law firm if you don't have a law degree? In like, California, you can take the bar. So in order to be a lawyer, you, you have to pass the bar. I, she can in California, you can take the bar without going to law school, but not every state. Mm -hmm allows that. I just mean like, could she reasonably like open a law firm that she just like runs and doesn't practice the law, but she has a team like of a people. branded law. Yeah, firm. I'd watch that Shonda show. That I was without... just going to say, is this a good fight fantasy right yeah, now? Okay. Like, yeah. She could do that without passing the bar. Kardashian court with a K. <laughs> it's not as cute as you think. It's not as cute. <laughs>
Cheerio. <laughs> no. Get out. Well, that, that segues well. To your me. keep it? Yes. What's your keep it? My keep it is to the British press for freaking the fuck out because Meghan Markle and Prince Harry have said that they are not going to do that whole like pony show where you make this woman get up hours after giving birth to a whole ass human being and stand outside a hospital in pantyhose and a and a sheath dress and heels holding a baby that frankly I feel like should not be outdoors. I feel like a baby that fresh to the world should be inside. And which is so when, the, you know, the royals have the baby, they come out, they they show off the baby and whatever. Their kid is literally never going to be king or queen or anything like this kid is this kid is just going to be a rich person that takes your tax money and does whatever. So, like, I don't think it matters that you're not viewing the new monarch when they present their kid. But basically, Megan is like, I don't fucking want to do that. We'll take some photos on our iPhone X and and text them out to the press when we feel like it. And they're all getting very mad um, because they don't like her because she doesn't want to do their stupid bullshit all the time. I will say my memory of Kate Middleton standing outside the hospital with those kids is a little jarring because she always looks tremendous. And it's just like, what sort of trickery am i seeing just but think woman, about yeah. think about like hours after you know like a day after giving birth to a human being mm-hmm. a whole ass baby you have to go and stand outside and and do all of that and so they're just like they're they're always on their cases about things mm-hmm. um and they're they're you know blaming it on her being an american how whatever. dare you close your own door to your right? car <laughs> <laughs> like guys royalty isn't real it's fine and i know that they i know that like being you know, members of the royal family, they get tax dollars and people feel like as the public, they're entitled to know what's happening. But it's like, you will know what's happening. Like, they're not going to never show you the baby. Mm-hmm. Just like wait two days. It's fine. We waited how long for Beyonce's baby? We And Blue is way more important than this kid. And we waited, we waited a full month or something. Do you know what the deal is though? Kate Middleton loves waving. So she just takes to this really well. Like she'll take any opportunity to wave. She doesn't really, like, I used to think Vanna White was the definitive waver, but now it's Kate Middleton. I'm just putting that out there. Mm. That's science for you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I will harass the British press when I'm in London next week. Will you be the only person there? Because it seems like you seem like you might be the only person in London. Well, everybody I, I, else is going to be leaving. So, yeah, yeah. you know, an American in London. Do your keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Estelle. Moving on. <laughs> My keep it this week is for alleged author Brett Easton Ellis. Alleged author? Is that what you said? I, <laughs> I still have no proof. Uh, he recently has a book out called White. <laughs> Wait, is that the name? That's not the name of the book. That's the name of the book. Oh, I missed And it's that. not about Vanna, who I just mentioned. No, on. no. And he was interviewed by Isaac Chutner of The New Yorker, who is fantastic at an interview which takes down its subject. Um, the interview is, is, is very funny, but I object to the concept of Brett Easton Ellis being a shitty writer who gets press for being an asshole. Right. Like, that's that's literally all that's happening. Yeah, his whole Uh, shtick is very like, you know what I'm tired of? People complaining about, you know, just that kind of Bill Maher world of like, I'm over it and for some reason that I've I've decided that's earned. Yeah, and at least Bill Maher has a TV show that for some reason millions of people watch every week. And for the love of God, other writers. Yes, Brett Easton Ellis does not. 
His last book, Imperial Bedrooms, was literally a disaster. <laughs> um, I will actually say that Lesson Zero was one of my favorite books for a very long time. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Rules of Attraction, even though the movie's better, and Glamorama. But Imperial Bedrooms is a sequel to Lesson Zero, right. and it is quite possibly the worst book I have ever read. Who, ever read. Who knew that someone who wrote American Psycho would be <laughs> a, a, psycho. Foreign, a American Psycho? <laughs> Uh, and By the, the way, better too. Uh, see, yeah. I, I I hate that fucking movie. You do? I think his performance is pretty good, but otherwise, I just can't even. Sit you know, it. the thing about him, like I that interview, I thought was just masterful interviewing. Like the way that this writer just didn't let him get away with bullshit, and when he would say something untrue, he was like, "That is not true." But he he is. It is this thing of like this. I don't know that he's racist, but he doesn't seem to have a problem with a bunch of racists that he writes about. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing with Donald Trump where he sort of refuses to, like the author really had to push him to be like, do you think Donald Trump is racist? And I think eventually he was like, yeah, okay. But like it took too much work to get there. But he's just like, he hasn't done anything good in a while. He's a dick. Like it's this type of, that sort of like type of quote unquote male white genius person where we're just like, why are we still listening to this man even as he continues like he's not even making good shit anymore and he's only doing it off of being a troll because i really don't think that there's anyone in the literary community who would call brett easton ellis a genius yeah right i just feel like this whole book seems like and of course not that i've read it but it seems like he wants to both tell you what everybody should be dismissing in the national conversation about politics while simultaneously being above it. Yes, but also writing about it. Correct. Right. So it's so like, that he can but you're also the authority on it. Okay, on it. what's going on? Yeah. Anyway. I, I will say, go read the interview because it is Lulz. very funny. Yes. It is like an ether in print. <laughs> I love Isaac's interviews. He recently did one with Donna Brazil. <laughs> and it was about why it was interviewing her about why she decided to join Fox News and the roasting that is in that interview. It's she, he's just sort of like, is this is about money? And she's like, baby, I don't need money. I don't do anything for the money. Uh, do you know how much money I have? You can Google it. And at one point in the interview, she's like, uh, she turns into like Needy from the Housewives. She's like, baby, I chose to call you. I got your number and I called you back. Oh, my God. But that is the thing about him <laughs> being at the New York. That was my favorite thing about the Ellison interview was he's at the New Yorker. So like he can't hang up on him. Like as mad as he was getting, as mad as Brad was getting, you knew that he needed this interview yeah. more than vice versa. And so he's able to get people because they're like, what are they going to do? Not get a profile in the fucking New Yorker? They're just going to take it, roast it or not. Yeah. Anyway. Robert Brett. Downey Jr., very cute in less than zero. That's the most complimentary <laughs> thing I can say. Oh, my God. He is. Yes. Yeah. James Spader, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, James Spader. Oh, we love a James Spader moment. Have you seen I, Pretty in Pink recently? He's yes, so cute I have seen Pretty in Pink recently, and I was like, oh, there he is. Boston been legal. <laughs> That's like the first time you've said that where I actually laughed. I'm, I'm, <laughs> finally, it's acceptable. <laughs> and you know what? To keep that streak going, I will not see you next week. True.
Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, right. We'll live in this just moment. So I can of leave thankfulness. On a, just so I can leave on a high note. I mean, okay, yeah. We'll see. If Cheerio, they, indeed. We'll see if they let him back into the country. Cheerio. Yeah. <laughs> or you might get immediately kicked out for that accent. You'll like be at customs, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 no." Uh, sadly. Godspeed to you. This is the end of our episode. Yeah. And the end of the line for Corinne. Corinne, as we mentioned. Uh, she is she is joining Fox News. <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> it is quite. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's, it's yeah. a shift for her. <laughs> they needed someone to replace uh, Megan Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would if Kryn had a second act as a from Crooked Media to Fox News, oh, that would actually be incredible. Yeah. yeah. Corinne, that's your go. <laughs> Guys, we're kidding. Actually, she's she's she not would, much do that. She would never. Would I? Maybe so. Uh, no, no one's putting nothing. Past yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next week. room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 